Hey all, welcome to this week's A Dram of Diving. Um, we have actually been taking it a little bit easy. Uh, we're going about every other week at this point in time. Um, we have been pretty busy with a bunch of different things, as I assume you guys are too. Um, we're noticing that uh, when we're live, we don't see as many people as when we see uh, later on. So I'm guessing the nice weather is on you guys too. We've had some crazy 90 degree weather and some great diving recently. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, last Wednesday, I actually went out and got on the U853 off of uh, Block Island, Rhode Island. So uh, that's why we didn't actually have it last week. Uh, and I moved them out. Uh, it was a great experience uh, checking that out. It, 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 uh, it is a little metal too, but it is fun. Uh, I'm going to be joined by a couple people today. Uh, at least, uh, at the very least, from what I can see at this point in time, John Cheeseman, uh, the Danny Rivera, uh, and then uh, Natalie Gibbs working on uh, getting in with us at the same time from Under the Jungle. So uh, we're going to be discussing transmitters versus gauges. Uh, before we go ahead and get started, there's a couple of things I want to throw out there. Uh, you'll see in the comment section already, you can see our Patreon link. We'll talk about that later on, but you can support the show through Patreon. Um, our Drama Diving whiskey glasses, which uh, pretty much everybody has been uh, soaking up recently. And then you'll see a special edition. Uh, it's kind of through the shop. But a special edition rack hooded sweatshirt. Uh, there is a limited run of these. Whatever we have, we have we have uh, fifty. I think thirty pre-sold. So we've got 20, 20 of them left uh, that you can go ahead and grab a hold of. Uh, so we are going to be discussing transmitters versus gauges under the recreational uh, situation and technical situation, pros cons, all sorts of fun. Uh, plan is about a half an hour, uh, but we've said that before and gone an hour. So we shall see what's going on. Leave your messages in the comments and we will answer whatever we can get to. Um, hopefully all of it, you'll see it up there. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm going to grab our other attendees right now. Let's add John. Let's add Danny. And Natalie should be here soon. She's just working through a, a browser issue. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing well. Um, Another fun hear... evening. Oh, he's just a little bit of a delay from Danny. How are you doing, John? Uh, doing good. Good. Danny, talk so I can make sure I can actually hear you. Does it work? Nope. Just oh, well, you got a delay. You got a wonderful <laughs> delay there. <laughs> and now somebody's ringing. Oh, yeah, Lord, okay. what's going on? All right, I, I'm completely right. unprofessional over here. I know, it's okay. You know. How many people are watching? What are we yeah. Like eight people, people right now. Wow. Eight. We had 11. We had 11 <laughs> until your phone rang, and then we went directly to eight. It was just like, bam, straight down. Yeah, Danny's here. Woohoo! It's um, oh. We got a Natalie. Let's go bring a Natalie in here. Hey. Hi, Natalie. Hi. There we go. We got you in. How are All you right. guys? Good. You? Good. Good. Excellent. All right. So we are going to be talking about transmitters versus gauges and diving recreationally, technically, all sorts of fun. Um, there's lots of discussion. Let me start out with the preface of you've heard the age old scenario of you can't tech dive with transmitters. They are failure points. They, they are, you're never going to know what your gas mix is or your gas pressures are. Um, that's been kind of thrown down upon us and brass and glass is the way to go. Uh, I think with some of the technology we got going on here now that maybe it's time to revisit this and actually have a nice open discussion about this with people who are actually teaching or using these. So, um, Let's, uh, we've seen Danny on here before, but John and Nat used to be first time on a drama diving. So, yeah, uh, are. Um, yeah. that's been Nat kind of thrown down upon us, and brass and glass is the way to go. Uh, 
What is that all about? Delay, huh? Um, all right, Nat. So what? Uh, give us your background real quick. Um, all right. So uh, my name is Natalie. I own a cave diving center in Mexico called Under the Jungle. I've been teaching cave diving for almost 14 years now. And I'm a cave explorer. I do a lot of pretty extreme explorations. And yeah, that's what I do. Nice. John, what's your background? Uh, I'm a Patty MSDT teaching uh, on the side here recreationally in Lancaster. Um, you know, aside from that, I'm also a cave diver and a CCR uh, normoxic diver. Nice. Uh, Danny, why don't you give us a rundown in case people haven't met your wonderful ass. <laughs> uh, so I'm Danny. I own a dive shop down in Long Island. I'm a technical rebreather instructor uh, and avid wreck diver and uh, overall pain in the ass, bust, ball buster kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we're getting lots of hellos. Brock says hello. Oh, specifically, hi, Nat. There we go. Hi, Nat. Uh, Nat's here because of Brock. Brock was like, you got to get Nat on. I'm like, all right, let's make it happen. Uh, Clay and Rick are talking to each other, but uh, Tech Clark says hello to everybody. Very nice. Nice to have him on here. And then Candace says, good to see you. She dove the Islander recently. Very nice. It's a great little wreck. I love it. Um, so uh, in the future, we are going to be discussing salt versus freshwater and what the <laughs> real diving is. Right, Danny? Absolutely. I'm waiting All for right. the date. All right. We got to set a date for that one. We got to get a little more people involved. So um, first thing I do is kind of maybe a little bit of a round table um, and see if we can uh, get your guys' opinions and maybe we'll have a little bit different opinion. Maybe we'll have the same opinion. So uh, because it's just clockwise, John, what is your opinion on transmitters and gauges and when are they appropriate to be used? I kind of run the gamut. Um, recreationally, I'm fine with people just using transmitters. Uh, if they're out on a vacation, I'd kind of recommend taking along, you know, a gauge just in case of failure. This way you always know what's there. Um, when it comes to side mount, I'm not a proponent of gauge or I mean of uh, transmitters. Uh, you know, it's extra O-rings, just extra pieces to get in the way. Uh, you know, and I've always said you're going to still have the gauges anyways just to you know, keep it so that you always know what's in there if there's a failure. Um, actually, when it comes to CCRs, I uh, recently took my gauges off and went to transmitters. So, I mean, I kind of run around. Um, I have dove, when I started out doing some of my technical training, I did have, uh, back in the days of back mount doubles, have those. I had the transmitter on one side and I had the uh, gauge on my left side, you know, just kind of using that. But eventually phased out of that interesting all right so uh next one for my screen is danny rivera danny 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 what you got uh so i am for and against them okay um, and so my my biggest issue with uh with transmitters is when they became uh accepted into mainstream so for years transmitters have been around for uh 10 15 years uh no one thought that they were reliable enough to use for tech diving. Uh, there was, it was the absolute worst thing you could possibly put on a tech rig, either side mount or back mount. Uh, Shearwater came out with it. Uh, they came out with the exact same transmitter as everybody else because they're all owned by the same company except for Sunto. Yeah. And now everybody says, well, if Shearwater is using them, they have to be the most reliable things in the world. Uh, on my CCR, I have high-pressure transmitters. On uh, all of my other rigs, I have uh, gauges. 
And I've used transmitters here and there, and I think they're great. Uh, so my only gripe with them is that you don't use both together because that's the that just you're just adding complexity onto complexity. Uh, but I don't care if you go either way as long as it doesn't get in the way of manifolds or of any valve drills. So you're saying both together being uh, brass and glass along with transmitters? To be yeah, you don't need both. I think you need to okay. one or the other and just kind of go with it. Either you're going to fully immerse yourself into the digital world of transmitters uh, or you're going to stick with bra uh, brass and glass. And okay. That's it. Fair enough. Uh, Natalie, what's your take? I, I heard that you might have an interesting take from Brock, but I haven't gotten a chance to listen to that uh, thing yet. So I use transmitters on side mount for cave diving. Uh, yeah. I was super against it. I didn't want to do it. One of my friends had some. She loaned me her computer and that, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and uh, absolutely loved it. And so I got a couple, and I've been using them really successfully for two years now. Um, so I absolutely do not think you have to use transmitters in any way, shape, or form, but I accept them in my courses for sure. Um, yeah. I find them really great, really easy. Uh, I use Shearwater, so I've got the, you can see both of them on one computer. I have a couple thoughts about them. Um, I absolutely agree with the don't use transmitters and pressure gauges, just like go with it, because otherwise you're taking the idea of like, you can have an electronic failure or you can display a mechanical failure. So you put them both on there. Now you have both possibilities of failure. Uh -huh. um, yep. so I like one or the other personally. I think it's nice to reduce the failure points to just sort of go with one. Um, I personally prefer transmitters just because I have reduced the mechanical failure points. So the things that are going to die on a transmitter would be like the transmitter batteries, the signals, something like that. Or, you know, your computer battery if you were being a bad diver and not checking before you started. And, of course, then you wouldn't be able to read your gauges. However, the difference between a pressure gauge failure and a transmitter failure is a pressure gauge failure, in some cases, is a real failure in that you're losing gas. A transmitter fails, you still have all the same gas you had when you started. You're not getting a leak from that. So this is what we're referring to as like a... It's like, a, it's like a mental failure, not a physical failure. Like your gas is still there and you should know how much gas you have. So I don't need to know how much gas I have in my tanks when I'm exiting a cave because I either was before two thirds <laughs> or I was already on my way out. Either way, I can be 100% confident that I have enough gas to exit the cave because we're going to die conservatively. And I, I don't even ever get close to thirds. I don't I can die of like thirds plus 100, thirds plus 200 PSI all the time because I'm super hyper conservative about things. So at that point, in my opinion, if I agree that if my gauges are gonna go, anything happens, at least it's cons and regains them, I'm gonna turn around, then I know I have enough gas because I'm not gonna be past two thirds anyways. So at that point, I feel safer because I'm not actually having a single failure that's gonna cause me to truly lose any gas. And I have had, because I dive a lot, I dive every day, I've had, several pressure gauge uh, and hey, it's not a major deal, right? They leak really, really slowly, but you're losing zero gas if you lose pumps. So I prefer. Nice. Um, has there, I think things have changed a little bit. I, I do agree that when Shearwater came on the board, that it, it kind of changed everything from people's mentality, but there are some fail safes in the, or, um, 
some steps within the Shearwater that has changed things from my opinion, looking at them. Um, the fact that, and there might be other computers, but the, the Shearwater is the one that I tend to use, but actually programming in the serial code so that it knows which one it's looking for. So it either connects or it doesn't connect, which I don't know. Are there other computers yeah, that do that have seen that? Well, pretty much all of the computers are all going to do the exact same thing. So they're not just searching because one of the ones I used to have was it just searched. So I just stopped even messing with them because it would just search and search and search and whichever one it found is what it paired with. Yeah. I yeah. had the uh, Aris elite and the elite T3 and you had to program both of those in with the it's transmitter program. number. Yeah. So the programming, the transmitter, I guess what the, I guess the, the, the suggestion is looking when you're looking for that, make sure that that's a feature because if it's just searching for whatever transmitter, it can grab kind of anyone's transmitter at that point in time. Right. Uh, so, and the gray versus yellow with, uh, I guess this is more of a side mount and or rebreather type question is the gray and yellow transmitters that are on different frequencies or different sampling rates. Uh, do you think that's a necessary thing or not? Uh, we'll go that direction again. John, the, the two different colored ones, what are your thoughts? It, I come from electronics um, background, uh, you know, trained as a, an electrical engineer. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you do have that uh, timing frequency, uh, you know, and so having, and it's on a timing interval. So having mm -hmm. that timing difference so that they don't try to communicate over each other, you know, it is critical. Um, you know, it'll help with that so that you're not resetting that uh, timing. You know, I know I've heard some people saying, hey, you know, yeah, I've run it without issues. Hey, great. It might work. But, you know, how much do you want to test that? You know, and especially if you're running it, you know, in a technical environment. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want to be relying now on that, especially if you're on open circuit? Yep. Danny, so, I mean, yeah, oh. so, yeah ahead, I mean, I, I have I have the gray and the yellow set up on mine, you know, specifically for that. So I, I didn't think it mattered, but uh, now that John said it, uh, maybe it does actually. So uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know any better. Uh, yeah. I, I was always under the impression it didn't make a difference whatsoever if you're using two or four different transmitters. Uh, I think Shearwaters might be one of the only people that actually use different color transmitters or different frequencies. Yep. So if you have any other brand computer, you're wow. using four transmitters at the same time and it shouldn't make a difference. Yeah, so. I have uh, a better experience with it. I, again, I, I use uh, transmitters very rarely. Okay, Natalie? I'm trying to look something up for you right now. Somebody okay. just told me that their dive shop said that you don't need to have the yellow and gray anymore. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. Did Shearwater actually say that as a Shearwater dealer? I did not receive any notification of that whatsoever. So it sounded no. like uh, somebody's dive shop didn't have the yellow transmitters and was just trying to sell it the race. But I don't, I was looking on the page for Shearwater just to make sure. And I don't, I don't see anything about that. I've always used yellow, like the two different frequencies. And yep. I haven't had problems with the interacting. Um, I did have somebody down here who had two grays last week, and he was having a little bit of trouble with Tom. So I think that was the reason. But then he was saying, no, 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 my dog shop told me it was fine. I was like, okay, um, I have some research to do when I have a moment. But so yep. I think it's important as far as I can help. Okay. So... Uh... David Stevens, uh, wait, 
So datapackets.com at the same frequency, you should still have a checksum to identify which transmitter came from, but you're introducing noise in the communication channel. All right. Um, and then Brock brought up the, uh, this is one that I was trying to click and uh, Shearwater actually had a recall last year because both transmitters ended up being shipped with both sampling rates. So they basically put a yellow housing around a gray transmitter and they recalled them immediately and did that. So uh, I think it's one of those, uh, Safety isn't the accident or the isn't the absence of accidents type of situation because, uh, you know, you'll run both grays and the f chance of them sampling each other is slim. But does it happen? It could happen. Yeah. So it's important to have the gray and yellow, I'm thinking. Um, Brock just put up a thing that would basically cover us all up a very long winded. But I'm taking well my done. Water right now. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. I like it. Um, so, uh, Danny, you tend to use more hard brass and glass for everything, right? You said? Uh, typically, yeah. Typically. What, uh, why are you still doing that? Are you thinking about maybe some differences? Um, and I guess this will come up to John too, because John's using some black brass and glass also. Um, what's your thought process? Why are you staying that way right now? It's cheaper, <laughs> to be honest with you. Touche. Um, I switch uh, gear. I go from back mount doubles to side mount. To single tank, to uh, my one of my rental rigs, to my CCR, uh, to a double hose regulator, pretty much weekly and daily. Uh, so for me, having I don't have a dedicated set of rigs uh, or regs rather, aside from my rebreathers. Uh, so for me, I'm grabbing whatever rental reg is on the wall and kind of putting it on, and all of them have uh, brass and glass. Uh, with the time that I have used them. Uh, they've actually it, they've worked really nicely, and it's so nice to have everything right on your computer, mm -hmm. especially your water computer because you have all that information right there. Yep. Um, but yeah, just the simplicity of switching all the time. Uh, that's why I have the brass and glass. Nice, John. I, I guess it just goes back to you know the mentality of you know verifying what you have. Um, you know the reliability that you know the brass and glass is always there. You know. Um, when I had the old Aris, uh, you know, the, the original Elite and the Elite T3, and I think some of it may be just coming from that, you know, I'd get intermittent dropouts, you know, where if I wanted to know where I was on gas, you know, it wasn't always there. Uh, and even with my CCR, there have been a couple of times that, you know, I've lost my uh, O2 gauge and, you know, it just I had to raise my hand to get it back. But on a CCR, you're not using gas anywhere near as fast as you are on, a, on open circuit. So that's why I'm not too concerned, you know, using it on CCR. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Natalie, you're converted and probably ahead of us in the evolutionary chain here at this point in time, and you're using them and we're all behind you, I guess. So I uh, one gray and one uh, yellow one at this point, I'm so addicted to these things that <laughs> like I, I take them off of my side by rigs and put them on my, my CCR when I'm diving CCR. <laughs> and I put them back on my side by rigs. I actually, you know how you were saying you don't want to move them around? Yeah, like I just move them around. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the real question it. here is do you put them directly onto your regulator or do you have a smaller hose? Uh, I put them directly onto the rigs, actually. I know a lot of people were doing the hoses, but that just, in my opinion, adds more failure points because now I'm back to basically the same failure points as the hose. And, uh, 
with I, I don't I haven't put them on a lot like a wide variety of regulators. I've only put them on mine. I have atomics, so they don't touch anything. They're just right there. I keep them pointing down like I do the pressure gauges. So they're just tucked under my armpits and side mount. It's like a non-issue. On the JJ, they're inside the, the stand. And on back mount, they're just tucked back behind the manifold. So yeah, I guess that Danny, that's an excellent question. That's where we're getting to is, you know, um, we've seen some things going direct to regulators, uh, people, and a lot of it is uh, education of stuff, but like people twisting the the transmitter, thinking it's a the knob for the, the handle for the tanks. And we've seen people that have sheared those off right in the regulator. All of those are, are things we've seen. Uh, John, have you had any major catastrophic failure type things with those where somebody's twisted your pressure gauge or your, uh, your transmitters or broken them off or anything like that? Yeah, well, not mine, but I had a student who was, we were setting up a side mount rig and we were putting everything together. And, you know, he wasn't, at the time, he wasn't aware that, you know, you had to actually use the uh, wrench to tighten them up. And he was you know, <laughs> literally trying to hand tighten it with the, um, you know, the outer body. And, you know, I said, hang on a sec here, you get, you know, you want to do this. But then when we also put it on the, on him, um, it was digging into his arm, you know, with the dry suit and the thermals and everything else, it was just uncomfortable. Uh, and I think he eventually did switch to like a six or nine inch uh, hose just to make it comfortable and, and run it down um, for class. You know, he ended up switching to, you know, brass and glass. Okay. Yeah. Danny, did you hear that question? Did you, have you had any that have like been ripped off by being or, or damaged from being direct to regulators? Uh, the biggest problem I've had with them is backmount students. Uh, I don't think there's a really good spot to put them on backmount doubles. So when they go for valve drills, it's either going to be in the way of the isolator uh, or it's going to be in the way of the uh, regular tank valve. Uh, so that's the biggest issue I've had. Uh, because they're just learning how to use it. They don't have the familiarity with it, being able to kind of either work around it. Uh, so most of them, uh, my suggestion is if you're going to use it on there uh, for the class, either take it off and just use a regular SPG or uh, have it on a four to six inch hose and just kind of get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, you kind of started this, but uh, do you have any, uh, have you had any issues with them being directly onto the regs or have you had all success that way? No, I've had all success. I think it might depend a little bit upon the regulators you're using and how many high pressure ports you have. Pretty much all the regulators and all the ones we have in my shop and stuff have like the two high pressure like either the side mount or back mount so you can have a high pressure port on both sides and you've got the swivel and you've got the turret. So I always have it like pointing down and then you know, so on a manifold of doubles, you have the rig and then it's down. It's absolutely not in the way. It's just like tucked in behind, like back in there. There's absolutely no way you can probably even touch it in a dry suit. I can't. <laughs> yeah. So no, but it's probably like regulator body type dependent. So I would guess that's why I haven't had the problems because I just have like every regulator in my shop can be used for side mount way we do it, which is two high pressure ports, swivel turret, and so um, yeah. I would imagine that with different like models, you could definitely get problems. Yeah. So, so just real quick, isn't this part of the problem though when we're talking about transmitters? Is that we have to make sure we have the right regulators for them. Uh, they got to be positioned correctly. Either you need a hose or you don't. Uh, where the problem or the solution is just use a regular SPG where you know, right. none of that's an issue. And, and again, I'm not, 
helping your students to properly configure the regulators that they've chosen to use is just part of the normal course. So, like, it's my job. Yeah. Helping yeah. the regulators are going to use for cave diving is part of my job. So, I talk to them before they buy anything about all the options they're going to do, what they would like to do, how they're going to use it, and then I can make suggestions based on that. That's why they're hiring me. Yeah. Well, I think you're in a good position where yeah. people are talking to you before they buy gear. Uh, I know my yeah. position, I don't know about anybody else's, but I know mine. There was already a time it's they're coming into a tech course and this is what I have. Let's see if we can make it work. Sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. It depends on if they bought with the right, uh, if, if they had the right frame of mind when they first bought the gear or whoever sold it to them. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I've had the same situation as Danny, you know, where people come in. Um, you know, some will talk with me beforehand, you know, hey, is this appropriate for side mount, um, you know, or they're, you know, running the uh, equipment from the shop, uh, you know, and some people are just going, hey, I have this, 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 and this, can we make it work? Right. And I think that that opens up the conversation of, of what you guys are all saying is creating a mentorship with, with the students and um, talking about, you know, maybe there still is gray areas and pros and cons, and and we're going to get to um, kind of the the range of the transmission in a minute and making that decision from there. But uh, having finding students that are actually going to come to you for a full discussion about the gear, why do you use the gear, how do you set up the gear, it is part of the course. It's, some people don't do as much setup as others. I mean, that's uh, and. It, it all depends on how you do it. Like we talked about, I think you guys, uh, Natalie might know, but I think not might not know, but John and Danny know that my side mount course, the first eight hours is just rigging of tanks and looking at tank characteristics and, you know, how to set up regulators and how to set up everything. We take a full day and we have a water bath and look at the, the characteristics of tanks and, and how they're going to play out so that they can really truly learn everything. It's probably overkill, but they're understanding why they're picking which tanks and why they're picking which regulators and why they're picking all those things. I don't get any more, more money, but I spend an extra six hours doing rigging that I probably could have just been like, hey, buy this, do this, do this, do this, and yeah, we're going to go. You just uh, I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, I just I love talking. You know that. You come out here just for that. You come just, just to hear me talk, Danny. I know how you are. It's, it's nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, I think that's one of the things when people are vetting out who they're grabbing for training and this conversation starts to come up is, is talk to your instructor who you've picked it and look at different instructors and, and listen to things like this and, and have those open conversations um, and then go from, from there. Um, all right. This comment's going to get you guys going. Let's see what the conversation is going to come up from this. What about the use of button gauges as backup? Has it been suggested by someone in the previous discussion? So I guess the question leads to putting transmitters and throwing button gauges directly on in case something was to go wrong. You could at least see it. Um, are we, are we doing the exact same thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Let's just let's and, smaller and less accurate. Yep. Yeah, smaller, less there, accurate. There's the key. You know, and yeah. a lot of times, can you even see it? Um, you know, whereas the gauges on a hose, you know, you can move it around if you need to. You know, a button gauge, if it's hidden, good luck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Natalie's got it. Right. Yeah. You're picking it up and looking at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with them. I used to have uh, button gauges on my CCR. Uh, I was under the idea that, <laughs> hey, you know what? If. I know they're full when they go on the, on the tank. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, if, if I have a leak, I'll hear it from either direction, and I'll be able to figure it out. 
Um, and I still believe that that's a, a good case for it. I don't think that you need gauges on the CCR. Uh, or I don't think you need to know that you have exactly what you have in the tank. So I think you just need to know if you have full or empty or enough or less. So like Natalie was talking about with, uh, with diving thirds and caves and, or whatever in caves. Uh, the, the button gauges I'm cool with if you want to put them on a deco bottle. Yep. Because you you got to have a, you got to have air in it or you don't have air in it. Yep. Whether you have 1,200 psi in it or 300 psi in it, it doesn't make a difference. Either you're going to have enough or you're not. So that's the yeah. thing that I was going to say. Look, Natalie coming out of the cave. Either you got enough to get out or you don't have enough to get out. It's not so, going to change things. When you find <laughs> out you don't have enough, you're going to you're going to share with your buddy, uh, yep. or you're going to go back onto your back ass and say that's that's your life now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm cool with it then. But when you actually need to know how much air you have in there, I, you you got to have a regular gauge. Yep. Nat, Natalie, thought about uh, button gauges. Um, obviously, they're harder to read, so I wouldn't necessarily. I say absolutely, you should never use them as your primary gauge source. No. I wouldn't necessarily have like an issue with somebody putting them on as a backup gauge if they really wanted to. I just don't feel like there's any use to it for the mm -hmm. application that I use because, as I said, the very first failure that you have, you're leaving and you're never going to be more than two thirds down your gas, anyways. So, like, but this isn't going to help you because you're leaving. So uh, I don't find that they would be useful in my particular type of diving, but I don't think that they're dangerous. I wouldn't say, like, Ooh, you shouldn't do it. You're adding one tiny failure point. And you were talking about high-pressure failure points. You unscrew that thing, you put it underwater, and you open the tank all the way. It's going to be a while before the tank is empty. It's not yeah. a very fast leak. So even if that breaks for some reason, it's not going to be a a huge issue on any of the things we're talking about, high pressure hoses or anything else. So yeah, and that's don't a find it dangerous. Yeah, that's a misconception that a lot of people have. The high pressure is going to just dump the entire tank super fast. Look inside, look at your look at your gauges, look at those. It is a pinhole, it is a high pressure pinhole, it as opposed to a low pressure large hole that is just dumping gas out. Um the pressure matters, but not as much as the orifice opening does. Um so yeah. I, th I think that that's key. Uh, yeah, it's more of a backup to a backup if you really think you need it type of situation, I think is what we got going on here. So Danny, you really use button gauges as your primary gauge on your CCR. I used to. Used to. Um, I used to. Uh, it was what was taught to me in my Mod 1 course. Okay. Um, I still, to this day, I don't have a problem with it yep. because they, you you have the gas in there when you start your dunk. Right? So you're going to do a bubble check at 20 feet you do you're diving with somebody else. So there is going to be, you're going to know that there's a leak way beforehand. Um, so knowing you have 34, 32 PSI of diluent or O2 uh, doesn't make a difference to you as long as the dive ends. All right. Or you can end the dive in your way. You're not going to decide, Hey, listen, I'm not going to do a dill flush in this situation. I don't have enough gas. Uh, you have to do a dill flush because you have to do a dill flush. Uh, or you have to put O2 in your rebreather because you have to put O2 in. Uh, worst case scenario is you got to bail out, right? So if you don't have the gas. Uh, so I found uh, having the gauges over my shoulder, I, I started diving with a meg. Uh, they were just kind of always in the way. I never had the right uh, size hose because I would have to either they'd be hanging down below me like uh, cow's udders or I would have to try to find them under my D rings. Uh, 
I since uh, now that I'm a defender instructor and an XCCR instructor, I had to put my rig back to normal uh, to back to <laughs> settings. Uh, so I put gauges back on my defender, and the XCCR has uh, high pressure transmitters right to the shear water. Uh, so now I much prefer looking at my shear water and just being able to see exactly what I have. Uh, and the only caveat is when during the build of the, the unit and during a boom drill, having gauges, I think, is far more beneficial because it's so much of a faster, uh, quicker response. You know the information at least five, six seconds beforehand. But in the world of CCR, five, six seconds kind of really doesn't mean anything. So in my head, it makes me feel a little bit better. Interesting. Uh, two things. One... I would consider taking a class with you if you still have the cow's udders. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> just just put it out there as a possibility. It's a costume that I wear. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. Okay, excellent. So that's a possibility. I might come down to Long Island just for that. <laughs> and then uh, just because Rick has to do these things, apparently the high-pressure port <laughs> diameter is 0 0.015. I don't know what those units are. You would think an engineer would actually put the units on there, but I guess he didn't. So Thanks, we'll nerd. leave it. Yeah, God, come on, Rick. Um, at least you use units. I'm sorry, Rick. I don't mean that. 0 0.015 meters. What is that? Oh, Rick. One five gigawatts. That is amazing. So, uh, the tr loss of transmitter signal uh, with. Uh, radius from the transmitter have you guys had ran into issues with those sorts of things how have you dealt with that is it annoying does it happen all that often let's go backwards natalie how about you my internet is going in and out all right i will switch over to john then uh can you hear us nat yeah i can hear you now Okay, how uh, have you had any issues with transmitters losing signal, and how do you deal with that if you uh, if you are losing signal? So I've had it happen a few times, and both of the times were when I let the transmitter batteries get really low. Um, so the Shearwater will give you a low bat on the transmitter readout, but in my experience, like right before it hits low bat. Uh, the signal seems to be somehow a bit weaker. Every single, because I got a voltmeter, so I tested them, and they were low when that happened. So I actually changed my transmitter batteries a little bit more often than I probably would need to to avoid that. Uh, the first time was absolutely on purpose, because I just got them, and I was like, eh, we're going to see what happens with these and if I can break them. So yeah. I, it's like a, I, I let them go until they really hit low bat, and that's like one or two days before that, I was having issues. And then um, that's really been the only time I've lost signals. And interestingly, uh, something I've started doing uh, when I'm like double staging and side mount and like scootering really far. So then I have a kind of weird configuration. So I've got, you know, short hose, a long hose, and then I have a hose from one rig here and a hose from one rig here. So I have the reverse second stage on one of them. So then I just sit there on the scooter and switch back and forth like the stages are side mount tanks. So I don't have to go off the trigger and they stay balanced. And so to do that, I started putting transmitters on my stages instead of on my side mount tanks. So I don't have, I'm just like, do, 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 do as I need. And then I actually drop the stages and the scooters before I do the push dive. 
And uh, so you lose comms because you swim like a kilometer away from your stages. But when you swim back to them, it picks back up and it's beautiful. So uh, that was something, it was a big experiment. The first day I did it, I actually put analog gauges as well because I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> but it actually, yeah, so you can leave them and come back. Nice. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Danny, any experience with them losing comms and bringing them back? I think you mentioned bringing your head up or uh, John, you had mentioned bringing your hand up, but yeah. Yeah. I have no experience with them to, uh, to really comment on it. So, okay. Uh, John experience losing comms at all and, and bringing them back in or annoyance with it, or is it pretty straightforward? It on the Eris, um, on both Eris units, it was a lot more frequent and common, you know, three, four five times a dive. Um, I have noticed a difference in cold water versus warm water, um, you know, because I've taken them on vacations also. And in the warm water, it isn't as frequent. And I think some of it may just have to do with the temperature or the, uh, the voltage drops in the battery due to the water temperature. Um, you know, I've still had it on my CCR with the uh, shear water, you know, just a handful of times. But, you know, there, you know, I'm dealing with what a four foot distance. Mm -hmm. um you know with my body in between so to run through you know for the frequency to run through all of that um distraction you know it's the same thing as our wi-fi signals going through you know a concrete barrier you know it's going to slow everything down so you know it takes a minute or two and it comes back um you know and if i really want to look at it yeah you know, i'll just raise my hand and uh you know it'll come back almost you know within five ten seconds good um I guess that leads into the question of I've seen it with working with people in, in different situations, getting the initial pairing seems to be an issue with, with some people right off the bat, you turn the tank on and you're not getting any comms. You're not getting any pressure, any tips or tricks from anybody. I'll start with Natalie again, any tips or tricks with actually getting it to pair up initially uh, each day type of first off the bat type stuff. Was that to me because you guys just cut out again? Yes, yeah, to you. Yep. Okay, what I heard was you have trouble pairing them initially. Is that yes. correct? Yep. Any tips and tricks how to get them paired up right off the bat? Um, I just turn on, well, I, I really have only ever used the Shearwater transmitters with the Terrigan Dipnardix. So I have like my own really limited frame. Okay. Um, but I haven't really had any issues with that as long as I'm close to the tanks, right? Yep. So, um, it... hi, can you hear me again? Yep. Got you now. Yep. No, yeah, you can't. We can, you can't hear us. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, be close to your tanks. Be close to your tanks. If you're like far away and you open them and you're a little bit too far, then it's like, I got it. I don't got it. I got it. And then it gets like real wonky. Um, as yeah. long as I'm right next to them, either, like when I'm opening the first time or if I'm pulling them in the water and I'm opening them up, I just make sure my hands are close to the transmitters right away and then it seems to be pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, Danny, you're mostly SPG, but any issues yeah. with it initially from what you have in your limited scope on the on the transmitters? Uh, yeah, what I would recommend is just using regular SPGs. <laughs> i love it um john any issues initial pairing and, and tips or tricks on how to make sure that they're pairing each day each time you turn on a tank really haven't had any issues uh, i think i've seen it once or twice it was actually never my unit and uh all we did was turn the pressure or turn the tank off drain the pressure uh charge it back again real fast and uh 
you know, it paired within seconds. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I was going from what I have seen, just seeing if you guys have seen the same stuff is you'll turn it on. And it won't realize that there's a pressure differential. So it stays in, you know, sleep mode or whatever, and then either breathe on it or yes, Natalie, go ahead. We had an interesting one. One of my employees had like inside the transmitter, like a little bit of calcite and got into the regulator and somehow blown into the transmitter itself. Really? And, and so they went in there with like a needle and, like, and a magnifying glass and then his buddy and they got like the little piece of sand out and then it was, then it worked again. And it was like, he's like, it's broken. And then they <laughs> found it. So that was it. So there could be a rare situation stuff in it. Nice. So clearly that was above 0 0.015 inch diameter grain of sand because you could get it out. And Rick wanted to make sure we knew it was inches, uh, apparently. <laughs> I would guess that he, uh, I, I would guess it was something like he opened it up or something and something yeah. had fallen in and then he closed it up again, but I don't know what. Yeah. Very nice. Um, Just not to cut you off. I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but. Go ahead. So, Natalie, you have two transmitters, right, Natalie? I can't hear you. Say it again. You have two transmitters that you're using? I have two transmitters, yeah. John, how many, how many transmitters are you using on a, on a regular basis? On my CCR, so, the two. Two. So, we have a $700 solution. <laughs> uh, going by Shearwater, uh, by Shearwater pricing, we have $350 transmitters each. Uh, so we have a $700 solution to a $65 problem, you know, <laughs> with a gauge. And we haven't talked about pricing yet. I just want to point that no, out. No. I've got a $2,000 solution. I've got a $2,000 solution to me not wanting to count blinks in front of my eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that too. There is that. Yeah, yeah. Put a nerd two on there. I don't got to count blinking lights. <laughs> yeah, so I, a lot of people like uh, I uh, would – the biggest good the argument I have with it is once you start going to your back mount double, so you have one, uh, maybe you have an O2 bottle, so you put another one on there. Uh, maybe you have a stage, maybe you're diving side mount, so you need two. Now your deco bottle, you're at three. Uh, you put a stage bottle. Do you get a fourth one, or do you do an analog on that one? Do you put one on here? Like How many do you stop yourself from saying, all right, I don't need another transmitter, or I should need, I need seven transmitters, and they all need to be on my wrist? It's like drinks. I'm just on my next one. <laughs> I don't know if there's any computers that are reading more than two transmitters. So what you're potentially touching on here is it's a much more expensive solution because you need more computers too. Well, no, the, uh, the Aqualung reads four. Okay. Uh, I think the, uh, I know some of the Sunto computers, I think read more than, uh, than two. Yeah. yeah, I think the Eon Steel does. That only reads two, and it's the most expensive computer <laughs> that we all yeah. try, <laughs> that we all use. Uh, so it, I think it's behind on uh, on just that. But I know the Aqualung can read up to four transmitters at a time. So you have four tanks going on on that transmitter. Uh, and I know that there was, I think the, was it the Liquid Vision, was able to read your buddy transmitter. So you yeah. knew how much air your buddy had. So when they were lying to you, you'd be able to tell exactly uh, <laughs> what, what was in their tank. Uh huh. Very nice. Uh, David Stevens and Nick Hollis were on here, so they might be able to answer the uh, the Sunto question about how many how many they link to. Uh, David was just mentioning there. Um, <laughs> Read the manual. That's pretty much it. 
There you are, Danny. Here's here's got two responses, Danny. You dive CCR. Is money a concern? <laughs> All right. So, so Danny, can you can get your gates automatically locked when you're 100 feet down? I can't see the rest of it, but uh, when you're 100 it's on feet down, Lauren. Yeah, because the St. Lawrence is fresh water. So, yeah, that's uh, basically, <laughs> uh, it's, it's basically not even diving. So I don't even need a gauge for that. Oh, you got them started. Wait, we'll come back. To, it's an inside joke for all of you that weren't at our Christmas party and didn't call Rick Peck slightly inebriated. Um, uh, and then to Rick, you you dive CCR and money is a concern. Yeah, because I'm I'm, I'm frugal. I'm not, I'm not cheap, I'm, but you got to be smart about it. The, you got you to gotta afford it somehow, right? Yeah. So. If I skimp on a three hundred fifty dollars transmitter for a sixty five dollars uh, SPG, then uh, then I can go get some more sorb. And All right. So here on. here's a question to you, Danny. How many SPGs have you broken in the past year? You know, I, so I know where you're going with it, and I haven't broken a tremendous amount. But I do think the we'll the, just answer the question. Stop projecting. Even <laughs> single. Uh, common scuba failure and i have no numbers to back this up okay but i think it is an spg school uh failing. oh god yeah yeah so that's so again i have absolutely zero numbers to back this up and i don't think anybody does but i think that's the most common failure so that's why i won't put a transmitter on it with an spg because now i've just done that twice next christmas party we'll just pull everybody that comes in and ask them what how many times and we'll make a study yeah, with all four people that are there. I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, don't start. <laughs> um, uh, there you go. Dave Stevens, I knew he'd come through. Ten pods on the Sunto. Liquid Vision did nine, but could be 300 feet away. There's there's our answer for the... A lot. Yeah, that is a lot. So There you go. Um, so, yeah, the, that was what I was getting at is, is failed failed SPGs. Maybe there's not as many failed uh, transmitters, and maybe the pricing becomes somewhat closer when you go down that route. So um, that is my take there. So tech recreational, it doesn't seem like we're dividing it into – well, John kind of divided it into each one, but uh, it's recreational is more transmitters for you, right, John, and tech was more SPG? Yep. Yeah, Danny, you kind of said the same thing, yes? To a degree, yeah. To a degree. And Natalie, you're all transmitters now. You've bought in, right? I bought in, but again, like, I wouldn't say, like, ooh, SPGs are bad. Whatever. Use what you want. I just happen to like transmitters. But, I mean, even if a student is coming and they've got SPGs, I throw SPGs on my tanks for a couple of days now. So I can be like, this is how you do good light management while you check your SPG and things. You know? yeah. I'm perfectly happy diving either, but if I have my choice, absolutely transmitters all the way. Very I will nice. say for side mount, we've been so there's a, so my my philosophy with side mount is that there's two types, right? There's either Mexican side mount or Florida. Uh -huh. Either your SPGs are up or your SPGs are down. So if we use transmitters, that argument's moot, and you can dive your tank however which way you want. Uh, for side mount, maybe we should be promoting uh, transmitters more than SPGs instead of having the silly conversation of. If you have your gauges up here lollipop, then you're you're an idiot. Or if you have them back here, you're an idiot. Um, and just have transmitters tucked away. You and guys cut out again. Huh? Cutting out? You guys cut out again on me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Danny, I don't think transmitters up or down make you a fool. I think it's if you dive saltwater or not. I think that if you're if you want to do real diving in freshwater, then you should, you know. 
come and do real diving in freshwater or you'll play on your saltwater reefs. I, there's, there is no real diving in freshwater. Here's some, not quantitative, but qualitative numbers from somebody that's actually in the industry saying that transmitters have some of the lowest uh, fault return rates of any uh, any category of gear and uh, David's in sales. So, Where is um, the data on that? How do you know? People are reporting a transmitter or an SPG failure on every single dive. You can't, there's no way that that could be an actual. Uh, I think he's saying return to return to company. Yeah, but most people don't return their SPGs either, right? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah, I got a yeah. stack, stack of broken SPGs over in the corner right now. Yeah, most of the uh, transmitter failures that I've seen, most of the transmitter failures that I've seen have actually been people leaving the battery in year round instead of taking them out when they're not diving mm -hmm. for a period of time. Yeah. Well, that's something else that we have to do now to these things. I'm going to make sure to take the needle out of my SPG next time. Uh, you know, I don't go diving for a little while. <laughs> don't, don't forget to crank up the, the little mice in back. Yeah. <laughs> do you put a rubber, rubber uh, container around your SPG there, Danny? Rubber boot? Or, no, I just use the uh, whatever. <laughs> no, I don't put a rubber boot around it. No, just straight brass and glass. Okay, that works. Uh, I want it to break. You know, it's uh, it, that's make you it makes you manly. Yeah, uh, if you got a little crack in there, a little water in there, and you're still diving it, that's that's what makes you a good diver. Yeah, you shake it, and it's like, oh, I don't know. I think I have enough. I, first of all, I don't even know why we're having the conversation about SPGs in the first place. We're all uh, real divers. We shouldn't be. We know how much air we have. We know <laughs> to, to a T, right? So, what do you need an SPG to confirm something you already know? This is sarcasm to clarify that for anyone that's on here. If you don't know Danny, he is not being serious. Do not do that. <laughs> that's spend a, spend a day with Danny, and you'll figure out what he's actually saying. Jeez. Um, all right. So I think we've kind of come round and round on on this topic, and we we've answered some pretty good questions and, and we've had some good interaction with the crowd and it seems like everybody's got a little bit different experiences and clarifying that there is no cut dry, I think is actually progress versus where we were previously of this is how you do it. This is the only way you do it. This is, you have to wear this black, this red dry suit. You have to do this or you have to do that type of, mentality um i think open conversations is, is is what we're trying to do uh and i think we have opened up that conversation uh it is expensive like danny said uh they do tend to now from where i had when i started with transmitters um they we'd lose transmission periodically you didn't know how much battery left was in it it was a lot of guesswork there so it was don't do any of this uh we've talked about failure points we talked about um you know, you know, Nat was talking about lo losing comms by swimming away from them and coming back and having them pick right up. It, there's, there's lots of pros, lots of cons for both sides of things. And I guess it's an open conversation. Nat, you got something you want to add before I even say, do you have something to add? So go. I just got confirmation from Shearwater that yes, indeed, they are still saying the two different frequencies. So you Beautiful. still do officially need one yellow and one gray, no matter what your local dive shop that sold out of the yellow ones that doesn't have them anymore is telling you. Get Fair the enough. two frequencies. That works. All right. So with that, um, my half an hour has become 52 <laughs> minutes um, like it normally does. I tried to do a half an hour. Like <laughs> and 
SPGs. <laughs> yeah, an hour on transmitters SPGs. I don't know how to bring it down to a half an hour any better than that, but apparently I can't do it. So uh, let's go ahead and do some closing arguments because I got to work tonight. So Natalie, closing arguments or closing statements on SPGs versus transmitters. Uh, transmitters are fine. They're awesome. I like them. I think they're really useful if you have to switch regulators a lot. I don't put them on stages or anything. And uh, if you have any difficulty with access, like CCR, grabbing the gauges is annoying, so I like them for that. It's absolutely perfectly fine to use normal uh, normal SPGs, and it is a lot cheaper, as Danny says. So I think it's personal choice at this point. They all work. Good. Danny. <laughs> On a serious side, then you can be a jackass later on. <laughs> do whatever you want. All right. If you, if you want to buy, you want to buy a bunch of transmitters and put them on all your rigs. I'm happy to sell them to you. Uh, I'm not against it, uh, but I don't know. Just keep it as simple as possible. Yep, that's good, John. Yeah, I mean, just kind of echoing what Dave said. You know, it's your choice. I mean, we've given you pros and cons here. You know, in both the recreational and the technical world. Um, you got to do what's right for you and make the best choice for you and yourself. Yep, that works. All right, so what we're going to do from here is I'm going to throw you guys back into the green room. Green room, say goodbye to everybody here. I'll bring you back in so I can say goodbye to you guys separately. Sound good? Yep. All right. Beautiful. See you guys in a minute. All right, guys, thank you very much, and thank you for everybody that's participating. Uh, I love the comments that are on here. It's nice. Uh, thanks, David Stevens, for going ahead and, and throwing in some commentary from the uh, – the Hewish side of things. Uh, Rick, thank you for specifying the exact orifice size of a high pressure orifice uh, that I really appreciate uh, everything that you contributed to that. Uh, thank you for all the comments. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, the subscribe button will be right here above my name, whatever that is right over here. You'll see a subscribe button. Uh, again, the comments right at the beginning of the video for the Patreon, the special hoodie, special edition hooded sweatshirt and our third order of whiskey glasses, which I thought we were going to sell six of, uh, is uh, posted up there. Go ahead and order them. I've got a new case sitting here. Uh, they're ready to ship whenever you are. I think half of them are smoking for down in New Jersey on some of the boats down there. So I got to deliver some of those. But if you want some some glasses, you want a, a special edition hooded sweatshirt, uh, specifically for real diving and freshwater diving, I think is uh, what that's clear. Uh, now that Danny's out of there, I can say that without a retort. But I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, we will be back, uh, I think, in two weeks. We're going to post up another uh, another meeting. We're going to go to every other week uh, just because people are diving. I'm diving. We're getting crazy. So uh, cheers, everybody. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate your time, and we will see you soon. Take care. Be safe.